Today on the show, not the kind of doctors you're thinking of when learned Catholic women become saints. What would a doctor of the church look like today? And our picks of the week. All this and so much more. The Catholic Underground starts right now. You have indeed hit the play button on the Catholic Underground. We are a podcast cutting through the noise and bringing you the topics that matter. It's episode number 434. For those of you who are playing the home game um, since 2006, by the way. We're old. Yeah, we are incredibly old. I'm Father Chris Decker, <laughs> a priest of the Diocese of Baton Rouge. And joining me, we got uh, Kathleen Lee. Hey, Kathleen. I am here. Yeah, she is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Oli- <love> <laughs> Olivia Galino is also here. That's true. Here yeah. I am. And then uh, up on the Jeff Star One, we have Albert, who's making sure that things are, you know, kind of staying up in the air. Uh, Albert, uh, glad that you're here. Ed Ball is uh, in the ball pit uh, somehow with the new graphic system. Woo! Just need to remind him to turn the fish on. That's all. Yeah. Because oh, uh, Stan- there it is. Stanley the fish uh, has been has been remastered. For video here. Look, I, I'm just impressed. I saw what it looks like. There's all kinds of buttons. Like there are. And I felt like one of those kids in the in the elevator that wanted to press them all. <laughs> so good it, so good luck to you, Ed. I know you do good work. So yeah. uh, it's important to note that uh, that if you are listening to us in the podcast, mm-hmm. things will sound uh, because of Albert. Things will sound just as good as they always do. Mm-hmm. But if you're watching us on the video feed, or if you're watching us on Catholic TV or the Catholic Faith Network, uh, we did a significant upgrade of our video systems uh, to help us produce the show, um, so that uh, so that we can perhaps have a little a little bit kind of a higher notch yep. and uh, that has only happened because uh, of your of your support of us yeah and uh, and so so we had um, some some money sitting in our account and we were able to make this uh, this update uh, now we just have to finish paying for it but uh, so so catholicunderground.com slash donate that's the only thing I'll say about that uh, <laughs> we but, appreciate you. but part of the reason we do this is so that we can continue to uh, to bring you um, even expanded things within our show this uh, this equipment will allow us to uh, to do pre-produced programs, right? Yeah. So little pre-produced packages, like you would see on on your your uh, news magazine program, mm-hmm. and it will also give us the opportunity to bring in other sources, so other people um, into our broadcast as well. Uh, so that's cool. what we're looking forward to. I know I'm looking forward to it, and hopefully you are as well. Because if you've been following the Catholic Underground, or maybe you're new, uh, welcome by the way. Uh, this uh, this is kind of a new era, and yeah. I, I should also mention that Kathleen and Olivia are officially members of our board of directors for the Catholic Underground. <laughs> yes, so. we are. Yes, indeed. That's right now that I've said it on the air, it's official. Yeah. Do we get yeah. like a scepter or something? Well, we feel like Kathleen would do with a tiara. Yeah, I mean, I I think that so, might be the next. So you'd share the jewels of office? Is that I, what you're saying? I move to motion. Well, Isn't that how obviously? you do it? I move to motion. These things be. Who seconds uh, it? <laughs> Olivia, that's you. You're cute. I will always second it. <laughs> yeah, that would be Kevin's rules of order, I don't think, and not Robert's. Kevin! Anyway, so uh, so thank you again. And, and so we just wanted to, to spend a few moments at the top of the show talking yeah. about all the new stuff that we've got here uh, yeah. for you. Mm-hmm. It's also a program that we're going to concentrate uh, on on um, some beautiful things within the church, and those are doctors. Yep. And I suppose that we should say that it's not the kind of doctors you're thinking of. Normally, doctor. when we think of, of a doctor, we think certainly of a medical doctor. Right. But the church has her own doctors mm-hmm. as well, um, not just medical doctors. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, like even someone who studies theology, the the doctors of the church are always like this, this um, 
I don't know, like for the, I think regular lay people, yeah. it's something that's not really known very it's well. It's not talked about. Not talked about very well. But although we talk about some of these saints very often, mm-hmm. we don't often talk about their role as doctors of the church for yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, and I think like I always bring it back to like etymology in my classes yeah. and my girls are like, oh my gosh, more Latin. But it's you important. You give me a word. <laughs> I show you that the root of that word is either Greek, Latin, or Hebrew. And <laughs> the word doctor, mm-hmm. it, we think of it as like a medical doctor. Sure. Yeah. Someone who you, you bring what ails you. Right. To. But in, uh, in Latin, uh, docere or docere means to teach. So yeah. it's a teacher. So the doctors that we go to for, you know, our cuts and wounds and whatever are doctors of medicine. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, but they've kind of usurped that term for their own. Sure. Um, but anyone who has kind of reached a certain level of expertise in their field is, a, and you know, now there's certain like degrees that are conferred that will make you a doctor. But like it's, it generally yeah. speaking is talking about someone who is an expert, someone yeah. who is a bona fide teacher. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we find ourselves today is, is talking about these magisters, these teachers, these mm-hmm. doctors of the church. And uh, it's important to, uh, to kind of delineate because not every saint is a doctor of the right. church. Right. Mm-hmm. This is a, a special designation that is given um, in the same way that a, a medical doctor would go to school and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and uh, partake of the different types of learning that's required to be considered a licensed practitioner of whatever the medicine is, uh, a doctor of the church has a kind of a, a similar um, scope, right? right? Although a doctor of the church uh, doesn't become a doctor while they're alive. Right. right. So that's... That's an important uh, way to put that. So, yeah. uh, so let's see. So let's talk about there. There are three qualifications, right? That that are overarching mm-hmm. as to when they're whether we determine um, the possibility of someone becoming doctor of the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they have to be they have to be holy. Right. Yes. Because they're saints. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and the, even even among the saints, yeah. they have to be. Um, you know, ho- ho- you know that yeah. sounds weird to say, but like. They had to be holy even among the saints. Yeah, like mm-hmm. your top tier level saints. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. And and so you have that notion, mm-hmm. but then there's also the 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 depth of doctrinal insight, and it's important to talk a little bit about um, what we believe about. Are you ready for the long phrase here? Yes. The deposit of faith. Ooh. Yes. Tell yeah. it to me. I so, love it. So the deposit of faith is also one of those things that that Joe and Jane Catholic don't particularly uh, right right know about, but we partake of that deposit of faith um, for our entire lives. Yeah. So, um, and Olivia, Kathleen, correct me if I'm wrong here, but the deposit of faith is the stored up knowledge, if you will, mm-hmm. of everything that God has revealed to us about himself through his son, Jesus Christ, and up until the death of the last apostle. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. think about that. So everything that God reveals to us in, in the Bible from Genesis, if you will, right. all the way through until the death of John, the beloved disciple, mm-hmm. which was what the year like 95, mm-hmm. 97, something mm-hmm. like that. And so at the, at the death of, of the apostle John, we believe that the apostolic teaching was complete, mm-hmm. right? So, so everything that God was going to reveal to us about himself through his church occurred within the first 9,800 years of the church maybe, yeah. or a hundred years of the church. And so from that point on, everything that, uh, that, that, that has been done in terms of learning is a plumbing right. of that deposit, of that mm-hmm. initial deposit of mm-hmm. faith. Mm-hmm. And so I always say it's like a bank account that you can never bleed dry. Yeah. Yeah. 
but you can always make withdrawals from. And every time you make a withdrawal, you are able to find some sort of new nuance to what has already been revealed. Right. Yeah. You're you're able to store it in your own bank account. Like mm-hmm. that's correct. That's faith, right. Your own faith. Yeah. That's a good way deposit. It. You know, because I'm I'm always talking to people about this. Is like, this is why the the doctors of the church and and you know the doctrine of the church and and the writings of people of the church are so important because, you know, so many times we look at what the church teaches and we're like, oh, I don't agree with that because mm-hmm. because I don't understand yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Or I think I, I understand it and I might. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, let's just get this straight. The church does not just say, Hey, here is what we believe because mm-hmm. period. Yeah. Never. There's so much. And sometimes I'll be, be very honest with you as someone who is, um, a little more, uh, simple in my intake of, of knowledgeable things. Um, some of it is very, um, rich, and in depth, like some of the writings of, of yeah. even the doctors, it's, you, know? it's, you could say it's elevated, right? right. It, it takes a lot yeah. to, mm-hmm. to, to, but dig there are into also it. many, many people who have broken those, those things open and broken mm-hmm. them down mm-hmm. in order for you to understand it. Mm-hmm. And so when we say like, well, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't agree with it because I don't understand it or I just don't understand it. Yeah. It's that is not that's not on. I feel like it's not on the church because the church is like, look, here is what we believe, and here is why, and like, here's all the in depth, and we're just like, Meh, if it's not in the headlines, then I don't, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. it's too much. It's not a hot topic, right? And so my challenge to you guys, like, like for me, for for our listeners out there who maybe you're like, I don't know, this is a lot, it's it's heavy. Dive into some of this stuff. Like, if you've never heard of it. You, you like when you take out the deposit and you put it into your own bank account, mm-hmm. it makes your bank account that much fuller. Yeah. Right. And it's it's free for free. <laughs> like it's it's deposit of the faith for free. You know what yeah. I mean? And I'll say too, like um, maybe if you're looking for a place to start, we're almost in Advent. Um, St. Athanasius on the Incarnation. Yeah. Really good. Because you're prepping for Jesus to be born yeah. uh, in your heart, right? Yeah. And and I, I tell this to my, my seniors who were studying um, like philosophy as it's um, as it pertains to theology. And like it's hard. It's hard to sit there and read Aristotle. It's hard right. to sit there and read Aquinas. And there's a reason for that because we don't typically think like that anymore. Right. So yeah. if it's hard, that's okay. It means your brain's working. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Keep at it. Chew on it. Read yeah, it three say, times. Yeah. You know? And if your if your brain kind of hits a hard stop, yeah, you know th- that's not a bad thing. Where you yeah. just you, yeah. you don't throw up your hands in academic learning whenever, right. yeah, or in spiritual reading when something sure. really just kind of confuses you. Yeah. Um, and you have to dig in again and mm-hmm. again and again. So that would be um, the depth of doctrinal insight would mm-hmm. be that second determining factor of how that particular saint plumbed the deposit mm-hmm. of faith right. and brought forth um, a, a new understanding of what has been revealed. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and then number three, they, the extensive writings with the church can then recommend in any age of history that is that is saying this is worthy of belief. This yeah. is a, an authentic expression of what we believe as Catholics. Right. Yeah. Um, and so uh, that's what we, we certainly consider. If you look at a lot of the doctors of the church, most of them have a lot uh, of ink. Yeah. And you'll notice, too, like if you look up a list of doctors of the church, I believe there's 36 of them. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But you notice that a lot of them are kind of congregated in the earliest part of the church, yeah. like the, uh, you know, the, around the 200s, 300s, say, 400s. Right after the deposit of faith was, was sealed, if yeah. you will, they were 
constantly. Um, yeah. And like, even historically speaking, there's a reason for that. Cause mm-hmm. like, you know, you have the, the last apostle, the death of the last apostle. So you have like the, um, like father Chris was saying, like, this is what we believe. This is the heritage that's now being passed down. Yeah. And some people are going to look at that heritage and be like, well, I know what that means. And they're mm-hmm. going to start preaching something that isn't correct. And yeah. so it's up to, which happened. Yeah. Which happens still. Um, and you're, so it's up to the, the magisters, the teachers, the, the that's where the, the um, again, like the word magisterium is mm-hmm. where it comes from. Yeah. So the teachers of the church, a lot of the the, fa- the, the fathers and the doctors uh, of the church are bishops, mm-hmm. um, some even popes, um, and some just theologians who it was their job to help it clarify, elucidate, especially if there were errors, yes. right? So you'll see a lot of these um, early doctors of the church dealing with like heresies, yeah. like things that are kind of dug in, ground in. This is not what we believe. Um, right. Things about, um, so like Arianism, for example, mm-hmm. is the the belief that, that Christ wasn't fully God and fully man. Mm-hmm. He was fully human, but some kind of demigod, right? right? And that's, that's not a correct understanding of Christ's two natures in one person, his hypostatic union. And so you'll see a lot of ink written about, well, what is true, Mm -hmm. right? And that's, that's a lot of what the doctors are writing about. And, and you got to consider too, like they, they write so much because that's the way that they pass information around, you know, and they get those writings get reproduced. They sometimes get famous quote unquote for like the things that they're writing. Mm -hmm. And so they become very well known for being a defender of the faith on, you know, whatever issue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Athanasius would be a good example. Um, who, who wrote against heresies of every kind. Yes, you know? he did. In fact, it's really, it's it's beautiful because uh, for those of you who pray the liturgy of the hours, so maybe you're a member of a, a third order um, religious community, or maybe you've picked up iBrievery, which is for free, by the way. It's very nice. And you've started praying the office of readings, which is is that kind of first office of the day, or I suppose you can pray it as the last office of the day if you want to do the vigil for the next day. But it has a, a large uh, swath of the writings of the doctors of the church. Mm-hmm. And you get that a lot. In fact, St. Augustine um, shows up almost every day in the office of readings, and yeah. he is indeed one of the doctors of the church. And so the church really um, finds the doctors of, of the church as as part of the, the undergirding, part of kind of like the steel beams yeah. Yeah. That, that we then build upon um, those who are living many years hence, right? Many yeah. hundreds of years hence. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, I don't know about y'all, but sometimes like when teaching about this or telling people about this, people will ask like, oh, so they're like infallible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Well, because we think that every time anybody says something definitively about the faith, then they must have some sort of an absolute authority. Yeah. And there, there are members of the church who preach with absolute authority, um, in certain instances. Right. But for the most part, the, like as a regular old priest, uh, my job is simply to echo the deposit of faith. Yeah. And and I don't make a pronouncement uh, of my own volition, I hereby declare. Yeah. Uh, only the Holy Father can do that. And he can only do it in certain instances. And so whenever you have some uh, the examinations that take, take place to determine whether or not someone's writings will be considered worthy of naming them a doctor of the church, the infallibility is not in the things that they say. The infallibility is in... This has been proven true because God has revealed it to His church. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so it's not in the person being infallible. It's in the teaching that they're uh, they're they're plumbing that mm-hmm. they're uh, unfolding, perhaps in a new type of way. 
it's the teaching that is infallible because yeah. God's word is infallible. And we believe that that the sacred tradition that he hands down to us through the apostles, mm -hmm. it is also infallible. Yeah. And so the only thing that can be done is, is that that can be uh, just referenced back to and referenced right. back to again. And so when the Pope makes a, an infallible teaching, like an, uh, he declares something infallible, he himself is only declaring infallible right. the doctrine that is already yeah. been yeah. been uh, been defined. He's just saying now this is worthy of belief and this is um, this is required for yeah, our belief. Something That's right, something dogmatic. So so yeah, the the, the people themselves. Uh, there are probably more than a few doctors of the church uh, who who probably had opinions on everything, you know? Yeah. Um, some of it's scientific, right? Yeah. Well, like, um, you know, like uh, St. Robert Bellarmine mm -hmm. is like known as a, a really um, fantastic preacher and order. He's also just an incredible scholar. Yeah. And he was kind of one of the go-to people. Yeah, his in... catechism was considered the catechism for a very long time. Yeah, for centuries. And sometimes he'll get like brought to the carpet for um, like his role in the whole like Galileo affair. Oh, yes. Um, but you know, science is still unfolding, right? He's not mm -hmm. an, an omniscient person. No. Um, same with like people like Thomas Aquinas, right? Yeah. Thomas Aquinas for all of his brilliance had some ideas about things like the Immaculate Conception that we wouldn't necessarily hold today, but he wasn't stating them definitively. He right. was saying, let's think about this. That's right. I'm an academic and therefore this is, this is what's been revealed and this is what yeah. we know about Mary. Here's some extempore thought on right. where some of these political, uh, political, these philosophical threads might go. Yeah. And it's because people like him were willing to ask those questions that then later on down the line, you have an infallible declaration on Mary's Immaculate Conception. Right. Right. But like that's a it's a, a process of development. Yeah. Right. And I think mm -hmm. like that's where like St. John Henry Newman um, really, I think, has a, a role to play, especially in the modern day church and helping us understand how doctrine can develop off authentically mm -hmm. not changing but developing yep. yeah yeah that's right and uh and 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 I, I think what we will do now is pause briefly uh and i should apologize to ed because i did not make a little uh, interstitial for this uh part of the show yeah, well. but it is the part of the show that we like to call the catholic underground <laughs> scenes of us dancing that's normally Yay. what we do yeah i thought you were gonna like have us hum the music or something yeah oh no the, the music we got but uh but the, the the video sorry ed that's all right okay i'll tell you ed is doing uh, the yeoman's work of driving mm. this ship uh today because i'm watching what you're doing there ed you're doing great we yeah. see you we see you. Yeah. Uh, so we've been talking about the doctors of the church here on the catholic underground we are the podcast that tries to cut through the noise of the digital continent and help you to find the still small one, right? The voice of God. And, and we're talking, is it, noisy. It, it is noisy out there. Mm -hmm. It really is. And that's really one of the things that we try to do is uh, to, to provide some context for the world. And right. the way that we believe that we can do that is by living our faith and living it to the full and digging into the deposit of faith mm -hmm. as the doctors of the church have done. And uh, as we, uh, as we kind of move into this next segment, there aren't just male doctors of the church. There are yeah. not. In fact, but what's really interesting, though, y'all, is is that there were for a very long period of time mostly, uh, you know, popes and priests and bishops and right. et cetera mm -hmm. and monks uh, of, of the male persuasion. Mm -hmm. But then you begin to see how the church uh, doesn't shift, but then begins to, to look deeper into the feminine genius as a source. Right. Mm -hmm of plumbing the depths of the deposit of faith. 
Yeah. And I mean, it's no surprise, too, that for centuries you have a lot of men being declared doctors of the church because, I mean, the educational system at the right. time was reserved for men. And, yep. and a lot of it was happening in the monasteries. Right. Yeah. The they university were preparing system, for holy orders. Yeah. yeah. The university system was, you know, here's a fun fact for the day. The university system developed in the Middle Ages out of the, the, the Catholic Church. The cathedral church. schools yeah, and the, the monastic schools. schools. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, so you have people like Aquinas. He was a, a basically a college professor, mm -hmm. right? His Summa Theologica was like a textbook that he wrote, right? You have um, some of the earlier, like more ancient um, to medieval doctors like Cyril of Jerusalem and Athanasius mm -hmm. and St. Jerome, um, St. Augustine. Um, and then you have your more like strictly medievals, people like Robert Bellarmine that we talked about. Yep. Um, but even in that time, you have these female doctors. Um, yeah. And I think what's really interesting is that all of them um, were declared doctors of the church um, in two of them in 1970, one in 1997, and one as recent as 2015. Oh, wow. And so just in the past... Barely the last century, right? I yeah. <laughs> I, what's 50 years? I'm 50 like, years. math is not my strong suit. I know. I'm like, and every time I think about it, I'm like, 30 years. Oh, no, there's 20 years. I know, up. right? Yeah. We have 50 years. We're that old 50 now. years, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, but I think that... One of the, the beautiful things is it's not that like the church is never, and we've said this before, it's not that the church does not have a, a spot for women. And it's not like the church is just waking up to the fact that like, oh, women can think, right. you know, like right. it, the church has always reserved a special place for women. But in the last 50 years, um, and even more like the past 100, 120 years, you're seeing more of the the depth of uh, like what you're saying, like the, the, the role that feminine genius is playing and has played, right? Which is why yep. you can have um, Hildegard von Bingen is the one who was declared a doctor of the church in 2015. She lived in the 11th century. Right. You know, so it's just a recognition of something that was always true, mm -hmm. right? But the church wants to bring it into the light and say, this is authentic femininity. Yeah. Right. This but is what, this is the church. Yeah. Isn't that the nature of, of you know, of women in general is to, yeah. is to like, just, just be there, you mm -hmm. know, and not come yeah. in and say like, I'm a, I'm a woman, declare me a doctor, you know, but mm -hmm. to be there and to do what they do. Yeah. And, there is a beautiful and, Marian sense to yeah. that, right? Mm -hmm. Even, even if we look at the, just the historical nature of, of the female doctors of the church, not yeah. happening until fairly recently is that there has been this notion of a pondering in the heart of the church. Mm -hmm. Um, by by the the these women saints mm -hmm. uh, who became doctors, right. and I really do think that that's a beautiful thing. There there is this this kind of Marian notion of mm -hmm. uh, they pondered all these things in in their hearts, and these were the things that brought them close to the Lord. And then in the fullness of time, they were they were opened up into the world. Yeah, uh, and that's that's. I wonder if that might not be the mind of God. Obviously, yeah. I don't know, but. Uh, and I think it's a mark of humility, too, because, like, I mean, these are women, some of them medievals, and only one of them is, re like, the most recent one is, like, the 1800s, mm -hmm. sorry, St. Therese. Um, but they, they just did their work. You know, yep. they yeah. did what they did. They lived their lives. They yeah. lived a life of holiness and prayer, and God gave them certain gifts to be mm -hmm. able to live a deeper life of prayer. And they just lived their lives, and that that's enough for them. They weren't trying mm -hmm. to aim for, like, glory or, right. like, I want people to recognize yeah. me. And because they did what they did, yeah. people like us can can mine their treasures now. That's right, right? Exactly. Because they were faithful in those small things then. We can mine the treasures now and benefit mm -hmm. from them and make the church more what it's supposed to be. That's right. 
So we have uh, St. Therese of Lisieux, mm-hmm. Therese. The, the little flower. Mm-hmm. And again, it's, these are not all uh, completely angelic individuals from the moment of conception. Right. Love yeah. it. Uh, yeah, there's hope for you, Kathleen. <laughs> yes, you could be is. a doctress of the church one day. <laughs> oh, Start sure. writing. That'll be Absolutely. the day. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she was she was kind of precarious as a child. Therese was she was mm-hmm. feisty, yeah. you know. She had a conversion in, in her early teens, and she really didn't write much. She kind of breaks the mold. She yeah for for doctors of the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because all she has that we have of her writings is just her journal, basically, mm-hmm. and it's like her spiritual autobiography, uh, story of a soul. Right. And what's interesting, I read a few years ago that um, basically whoever was the superior of her order when she died, um, kind of like instructed her journal to be edited, uh. and anything that wasn't like like the picture of holiness was kind of taken out. So that's uh. why some people read the story of the soul and they're like, mm, it's very flowery. It's very, yeah. it's very French, yeah. you know, yeah. but like there were other things in there that were just edited out. Huh. And especially thinking about like, she didn't just stop being this feisty person, you right. know, like right. there's yeah. still some of that in her. Yeah. It just was maybe like abridged. Um, <laughs> but yeah, abridged even, feistiness. I think that would be the name of Kathleen's new band. Yeah. Oh yeah. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I'll make a band t-shirt. <laughs> Abri- abridged feistiness. Yeah. <laughs> but one of the things I love about her is that even in her pursuit of holiness, St. Therese, I love Kathleen too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love that she she wanted so badly to be a Carmelite, um, mm-hmm. but her bishop wouldn't let her do yeah. it. So she petitions the Pope. She's 15 and she's writing to Pope Leo Thirteenth, who was not like, you yeah, know, you a nobody. Yeah. 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 And she petitions the Pope and the Pope's like, okay. And she gets yeah. to join this religious order because she had the zeal to be able to right. say, no, this is what I want to do. And I'm going to, I'm going to find a way. Yeah. It's the Lord's will. So yeah. isn't, but isn't that so like, get a, with the program. have you ever, <laughs> have you, like most religious sisters that I meet, you know, are very, very much have that. Like, we're like, oh, sister, it's not going to happen today. And there's no possible. And they're like, Mm-mm. yeah. Shh. Be quiet. It's what the Lord wants. It'll happen. You turn yeah. around, it happens, and you're like, like Mother Angelica. I don't, I don't know why I didn't trust you. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And even like Catherine of Siena, another doctor of the church, um, she was a laywoman. She was kind of basically illiterate. Yeah. But mm-hmm. she was the one who convinced Pope Gregory, I think it's the 11th, to return the papacy from France, as during the Avignon papacy, papacy yeah. to convince him to go back to Rome. Yeah. Right. And we've talked about her before in her letters. She says, says things like, up, father, like a man. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> the zeal. <laughs> yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. So St. Catherine, St. Saint, Saint Teresa of Avila, who probably... Mm-hmm. Uh, among the the women doctors of the church has a, a larger body of work. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So interior castles probably mm-hmm. the one that you that we're all most familiar with. But she's got a whole anthology, and so too does the fourth of the uh, the doctor female doctors of the church. Mm-hmm. Hildegard von Bingen was prolific, and not just in her spiritual writings, but also her practical writings because mm-hmm. she was an abbess of a. Um, a convent yeah. and she's she's got a cookbook <laughs> like yeah. she's had she has wow. she wrote so much she had mystical visions that she wrote um so there's there's really a, a deep treasure in she in also has a very and one of the things i think that pope benedict loved about her was was her music right yeah she, she wrote yeah. a lot yeah. of uh, polyphony and, and psalmity as well mm-hmm. um so, so and you I, can find people that will like perform them that's today. exactly yeah. right there that's certainly the case yeah Well, folks, uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break, but don't worry. The Catholic Underground is back, and we're going to talk more about being a doctor of the church. Stay right there.
Hail Holy Queen, Hail Holy Queen Mother, of mercy, Mother of Mercy, our life, our, our, sweetness, our sweetness, and our hope. To Thee do we cry, to thee do we cry poor banished children of Eve. To Thee do we send, thee up, do our we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most, Turn gracious, then, most advocate, gracious Advocate, and eyes of mercy, and eyes towards, of mercy us. towards us. And after this, and our, after exile, our exile, show unto us, show unto us the blessed fruit of Thy womb, Jesus. O Clement, O Clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. Welcome back to the Catholic Underground. Indeed, uh, we are the podcast that uh, cuts through the noise. And, well, you found us, so hopefully things aren't are. too, too noisy where you are. I'm Father Chris Decker. Joining me, we got Kathleen Lee. That's true. Olivia Galino's here, too. Uh, Albert's up on the Jeff Star 1, along with Ed. And uh, so we've been talking about doctors of the church on the show today yep. and, and who they are, what they do, what makes a doctor. Um, and then we've talked certainly about the, uh, the female doctors of the church. I guess it would, wouldn't be a bad thing to mention some of the, some of the dude doctors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so St. Ambrose would be one of the, those. Um, he was the Bishop of Milan, and he was the one who received Augustine, who would become St. Mm-hmm. Augustine, into the church. And you really get a kind of a sense of who uh, St. Ambrose was by the fact that Augustine talks about him all the time. You know, mm-hmm. He yeah. mentions him quite a bit. And, uh, and so um, St. Augustine would be another one, St. Augustine of Hippo, mm-hmm. uh, who said, uh, Hope has two beautiful daughters. Their names are Anger and Courage. Anger at the way things are and courage to see that they do not remain the way they are. Oh, so you I can see it. just the language uh, of, mm. of, of, of course, that's just, that's a small snippet of oh, Augustine. Yeah. Um, Talk about prolific. Right, exactly. St. Jerome, of course, who, uh, who gives us uh, what we call the Vulgate now, right? The, the Latin translation um, of the Bible from the t- Septuagint, which mm-hmm. were the original Greek uh, and therefore original Hebrew sources of the scriptures. So just the fact that he translated the Bible <laughs> yeah. would probably be enough to make him a doctor of the church. The entire Bible. Yeah. And like the service that Everything. he did for the church, like can't go unnoticed because like if you wanted to read the Bible before Jerome, you had to know at least three languages. Yeah. And he knew them. And so he translated it into a popular language, which was Latin at the time, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. therefore helps the spread of the faith. Like, wh- what? Like, yeah. there's no Christendom without St. Jerome. Yeah. That's right. And and there's no good psalmody without St. Gregory the Great. He's That's also true. a doctor of the church. Um, he had a, a rather l- significant political career, mm-hmm. and he gave up that career, uh, and he became a monk. And then from monk, um, he found himself named Pope, mm-hmm. <laughs> which... Which was a thing in the 570s, you know, yep. uh, I think it was 590, he was elected uh, to succeed uh, Pelagius II, not to be confused with the Pelagius Pelagian the heretic, heretic right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and, so, and so he began to see that, that the Psalms were, were falling out of use. And so he revised uh, the translation of the Psalms and he set them to music. And so when you hear about Gregorian chant, mm-hmm. that's what we're talking about. It's St. Gregory who did that. And so again, just that work alone would be enough to consider somebody, I think, a doctor of the church, somebody who's learned yeah. and was able to translate the deposit of faith in such a way where we're still singing Gregorian yeah. chant today. Well, that's what I love about, you know, about the Gregorian reform is, is it's like, hey, bring it back people like mm-hmm. you know he saw the the faithful slipping away and he was like all right let's 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 you know have enough courage to take a look at ourselves yep. and to 
reform ourselves, yep. you know, and that's, that's what I think, you know, we lack across the board, whether it's in the church or, you know, in society is that, oh, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Like my house is burning down. I'm fine. Yeah. Right? yeah. This it's, is fine. It's on fire. I'm fine. Don't yeah. worry about it. Right. And, you know, there needs to be an, uh, um, an introspective look, right. At mm-hmm. how, you know, we as a church, we as, you know, a universal church, we as a parish, we as a diocese, there needs to be that constant looking at and saying, okay, where do we, um, change things? Mm-hmm. Right. Where do we reform things when, you know, when needed yep. so that we can bring those souls back to, to Jesus. Yeah. Right? And oftentimes that's what the writings of the doctors right. of the church exactly. do is that they respond in a specific age to, to the need for uh, a new evangelization. I mean, right. we think that we came up with that yeah. phrase, <laughs> but no, Silly. the, the, the truth is always in need mm-hmm. of being represented to the age in which it right. finds itself. Right. And and I think that's uh, that's certainly something that that we living here in in the year that has been 2020 yeah. uh, is realizing that that we're called to to use this treasury that the doctors have helped to kind of um, unpack, if you will, yeah. for that. Uh, another one that's one of my favorites that kind of became one of my favorites through the liturgy of the hours through the office of readings was Saint Gregory of Nazianzus, mm-hmm. um, and he he's just a fantastic writer. He along with uh, St. Basil, um, of course, who's yet another doctor of the church. I, I love the rivalry between mm-hmm. Basil and, um, and Gregory mm-hmm. uh, because he, they even, he even writes about it on their feast day. You get that in the Office of Readings is how the only thing that they both wanted to do, they were trying to outdo each other academically and outdo mm-hmm. each other in, in their piety and celebrating the sacraments, but only so that they could both be called Christian at the end of their mm-hmm. lives. Like they, they had the same goal. Mm-hmm. And so how beautiful that is yeah. too, is that you have these two, two men who, who kind of account each other as brothers right? and their brotherhood is truly because of their baptism. Yeah. yeah. And I, I love that too. So, um, John Chrysostom would be another good example too. Mm-hmm. Um, Chrysostomos, right? The golden mouth, the golden mm-hmm. tongue. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, uh, definitely a, a fantastic spiritual writer. Mm-hmm. So, and again, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that we take for granted that pops up in, in our popular Catholic thought, well, that's coming from a lot of these doctors of the church. Oh, it yeah. really is. Yeah. So I, I suppose um, it asks the question of us, what does that look like today? Mm-hmm. What would what would make it, so, you know, in the year 2520, right. what would somebody looking back say, this is what made uh, Kathleen a doctor of the church? Mm-hmm. You know, St. Kathleen of Lee. Um, <laughs> Such a lovely place. That's right. Or, or she'd probably be St. Kathleen of Louisiana. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, what would make St. Kathleen of Louisiana a doctor of the church today? Yeah. So so I guess um, if we look in, in, the, in the early days of the doctors, mm-hmm. many times they were confronting a spirit of the age that mm-hmm. was in, in error. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I think one of the and this is just my my humble opinion is I think that one of the the spirit of errors that we have today is that idea that we we allow us as Catholics we allow other people to te- to tell us what the church supposedly teaches oh, yeah. and we are we are albeit uneducated we are lazy and we don't we don't defend our own faith and we are we allow other people to tell us 
lies about the tr- about the faith. He yeah. lies about the church. And so I think one of the one of the, you know when I look at what are the things that need to be written about um, is the church's own people. Like how do we you know educate them, mm-hmm. um, educate us, you know, yeah. and. And not even just in content, but on how to look for things, like how to study the faith, you know, how to um, not just look at the headline and say, well, this is, I don't, you know, I don't agree with this. This this is a stupid teaching. Well, it's not actually, you're not actually just, a lot of times you're not actually disagreeing with what the church teaches. You're disagreeing with what somebody's telling you the church teaches, Mm -hmm. which is not always true. You know, so when I look at that, I, you know, I look at, you know, reform within the way that we catechize, mm-hmm. um, the way that we, you know, catechize not only in educational places, but also in the family, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and how do we excite people about the beauty of the church? So if we, I guarantee you, if I could snap my fingers and have all of the writings of the, of the you know, um, the church doctors in my brain right now, I would die of just sheer like this is awesome and how come nobody ever told me about this Mm -hmm. um because that's often what happens when i when i read something in class or you know um you know get my master's and and something i'm like Mm -hmm. i've been like that quote from augustine right yeah Yeah, right mm -hmm. um so so that that would be my thing is like how how can we write to the people in a way that you know wakes them up Mm -hmm. you know what i mean well and i think too like when it comes to the heresies like, so there's, there's these ancient heresies and we tend to like look at them as if it's just history and like we've yeah. closed the book on that. Yeah, Gnosticism's right. not a thing anymore, sure. we would say. And yeah. yet, yeah. this and hyper-individualism right. is Gnosticism writ large. Oh, again. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even like, you know, uh, something that Gnosticism is often associated with, with, with is like dualism, yes. right? So the idea yeah. that somehow like the matter... Uh, mm-hmm. We are we are spiritual and material beings, and yeah. that is a hylomorphic composite. There's your twenty dollar word for the day, mm-hmm. but that somehow our matter is evil or bad, or right. it's going to mm-hmm. lead us into sin. And the spirit is the only thing that's good. Yeah. That's that's a dualist understanding right. of the person, and that's not at all what we believe. No. But you see that cropping up, right? And even like which again adds into the sense of promiscuity, right? Is that I can do whatever I want with my matter, right? Because right. my spirit is what I determine it to be. Right. My, my spirit is fine. I even, I've, I've even heard it uh, very recently. Well, I talk to God and God and I are okay. Yeah. Um, I've forgiven all of my own sins and therefore I can do what I want. Oh, I got like a shiver down my spine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I've heard, I, I, I've heard that verbatim. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's the sense of, of I have made myself in my own image and that's good enough. Yeah. Right. Well, and that, and even that is like, partially a kind of Pelagianism. It is, yeah. Like, so Pelagianism um, is an ancient heresy, but, you know, Mm -hmm. still cropping up today that basically says, like, well, sin doesn't really, like, wound human nature the way that we think, we have thought that it does. And my free will is enough to bring me to perfection. I don't need God's grace. That's extra. Yeah. But I can can get myself all the way there or, you know, part of the way there if you're a (laughs) semi-Pelagian. But... Like that idea is still around, right? Like look at like the self-help kind of era, which Mm -hmm. admittedly is not so much like in the, you know, the cheesy self-help books anymore, but it's in the like finding influencers to follow and like people who are going to digest the world for you and then tell you what to believe. Mm -hmm. That's, that's kind of what they're saying is right. If you just like 
can kind of pare down to like what you are in your essence. You're going to find that you have the will to be able to, you know, speak it into the universe or whatever. Blech. And that's, <laughs> sorry, sorry. yeah, that's, that's not authentic because yes, our, we do have freedom, but it's a gift. Yeah. That's right? right. I, I am not sui generis. I don't create myself. And so like you see all of these, these vestiges of the things that we've as, as human beings have struggled with mm-hmm. yeah. for since the beginning of time right. and since the beginning of sin, especially yeah. we see all these things. We're still struggling with them. They just have new names. They just yeah. wear different clothes. That's right. And so I feel like, like what Kathleen is saying, like the doctors of the church for our modern era are going to be the people who wake us up to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The people who are, are bold enough to say to, you know, in, in the face of a lot of persecution, most yeah. likely, but the people who are willing to say, this is not the way that we should be living. This is not what you should be. This is what the truth is about you. Yeah. And right. even that, that's not going to be a popular It's not. Stance. Right. And, yeah. and I think that what we're seeing, especially this particular year with uh, what's now being determined uh, the cancel culture, yeah. oh, I, I think that the doctors of the church 500 years from now, the ones who were declared doctors in 2020, maybe, maybe there was at least one. Right. Uh, is is responding to that cancel culture that if I stand up and I say this is true because yeah, it yeah. speaks to the heart of human existence and it speaks to the fact that we are not created for this world. We are created for heaven and therefore I am canceled. Yeah. I, I think that, that a doctor of the church is probably going to be somebody who was canceled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then many, many years from now looked back on and gone, nope, they nailed it. Yeah. Because 500 years uh, ago, they were dealing with this, and we're dealing with the fallout from 500 years ago. And we can yeah. say that about the saints who lived in the 1500s, who were responding to uh, to the Protestant Reformation mm-hmm. yeah. and to and to just the obliteration of of belief that happened as a result of that. Or by the saints that um, that were part of the the French Revolution, mm-hmm. right? That were the fallout of the French Revolution. Yeah. We're looking back 200, 300. 500 years and going, oh, nope, St. So-and-so nailed it. And and now we're trying to pick up the pieces based upon their experience of suffering in a crucible time of the church. And I think that here in 2020, we're in one of those crucible times. Mm -hmm. Uh, In fact, I was preaching about this for the Feast of Christ the King, that Pope Pius XI, whenever he instituted the Feast of Christ the King in 1925, was saying the reason I'm instituting this feast is because men are in danger of losing a sense of who God is and who Christ is and where he stands, what place he has in Mm -hmm. our world. Mm -hmm. And the answer, spoiler alert, says Pius XI, is he is the king of the universe. And so I think, you know, the the, the doctors of the church for tomorrow are being formed today in the crucible of our age that has to, to confront not just modernity, but the heresies of modernism, if it's new, Mm. it must be good. Right. You know, if it's novel, it must be tried. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think too, like, I love what you're saying about the cancel culture, because I think there's two sides to that coin, Mm -hmm. because part of the cancel culture, which I find particularly disturbing, is someone makes a mistake or someone has a sin that's put on display and people abandon that person. Right. Right. They, we, we have the, we're, we're perpetuating the idea that people are irredeemable, Mm -hmm. that you are your sin. And if you, if you sin in a certain way, that's it for you. Which is part of the, the dualistic heresy that is, that is writ large because then you have, and I'll use the $5, 
uh, you know, buzzword today, that then you have the virtue signaling that says, I am better than you yeah. Yeah. and I am incapable of sin because I have said that about myself yeah. and therefore it must be true. Right. And so then you have the, the person pronouncing an irredeemable, another person irredeemable yeah. Yeah. because we don't, they don't believe in a savior except they're saying that I am your savior. And so yeah. then what happens is that other human being commits a peccadillo, you know, yeah. and then finds themselves canceled mm -hmm. and then signaled by yet another, you know. So so each of us is trying to be his or her own magisterium. Sure. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And and either the magisterium happens outside of ourselves in a deposit of faith that is sealed and much larger than ourselves from which we draw uh the truth or we try to make ourselves a deposit of faith. Mm. Yeah. And well, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah. And it's because it, it's a perpetuation of pride. It's mm -hmm. the pride of saying like... It's nothing new. Yeah. Like it's, it's it's a new face to pride, right? That's it's right. just instead of like, you know, I'm, you know, better than someone else or I'm, you know, more of, of whatever than someone else is, we're kind of placing ourselves in in, in God's position and mm -hmm. saying like, yeah. um, like passing judgment in the kind of capital J sense of judgment on other people and their sins instead of cavorting with sinners. That's what Jesus did. Yep, yeah. he did. Like that was a scandal, right? But mm -hmm. it was a, it was a scandal that he was willing to undertake because he saw the dignity of the person right. and That's that right. the person is paramount. The sin is not. And if we're so bold, Jesus makes it very clear that the way that we find ourselves as members of his kingdom is by reaching down into the world yeah. mm -hmm. and ministering to those who have been considered the least. Yeah. Right. Ministering to those who have been pushed aside, ministering to those who are not just physically hungry, but spiritually hungry and, and expressing to them that, no, you have not been canceled by God. If you had been canceled by God, you wouldn't have being. Yeah. yeah. Right. But, yeah. but God cancels no one. Yeah. He does not. And therefore, the church must be there to provide the healing balms of the sacraments and Christian witness, our witness yeah. uh, to feed and to, to give drink to the thirsty. So that might be what uh, a doctor of the church looks like uh, yeah. maybe 200 years hence. We don't know. Hmm. I look forward to finding yeah. out. I look forward to finding out from, from the other side. From hopefully from a, a place in eternity yes. yeah. that is among the righteous and not yeah. the damned. That is my great hope. Mm -hmm. You know what another of my great hopes is? Is that we pull off this part of the show that we like to call The CU Pick of the Week. Yeah, that one. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. So uh, for our first CU Pick of the Week, let's go over to Kathleen. Okay. I'm prepared. <laughs> do it. Do it. Lars. I'm super excited. I found this, um, you know, as uh, I am engaged Yay. and um, in the next year, um, in fact, a year from just about now, oh, yeah. just about. <laughs> I will be um, making my own home. You will. Which I have made. Like, let's be honest. I have been in and out of my parents' abode. I've had my own, ha like, apartment, um, which is very hard to fit all of my stuff into a one-bedroom apartment. That's another story. Um, but I've really been thinking of, I'm really excited about this idea of getting a house. Mm -hmm. You know, and my fiance. And a hearth. Yeah. And my fiance yeah. is like, well, what do you want? And I'm like, I never had a house of my own ever. Like I've always lived in somebody else's house. And so like uh, a, a bathroom is what I would that's, like. That's right. And you know, I don't know what else Walls. is there. Yeah. So I, I picked up this book. It's called uh, Theology of the Home, mm -hmm. Finding the Eternal in the Everyday. Um, and it's super cool. It's by these uh, four women. 
um, the, their moms and their wives and uh, their homemakers, you know, and uh, and it's beautifully, beautifully, beautifully done um, with with pictures and even uh, like sacred artwork. Sacred artwork. Oh, I like that very much. And then just pictures. It's well designed. Yeah, it and then really just is. pictures of like every day, like their kids and sometimes what their what their houses look like, you know. And it talks about like how do you how do you create um, like. A, a Catholic space mm-hmm. and how do you make it a place of rest? And so some of the things they talk about is like, um, like some of the, you know, the things that like the, um, what are these called? Table, Table of contents. contents. Thank you. Uh, they don't go into detail, but I mean, it's like, uh, nourishment and safety order, comfort, hospitality. Also, oh, kind of like the overarching yeah. things that make a home. Yeah. And then in the Catholic key. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it talks about like, you know, how do you, how do you make it a, a, a spiritual retreat, mm-hmm. you know? And then at the end, I haven't gotten here yet, but the last chapter is called Mary the Homemaker, mm-hmm. which I'm stoked about. Yeah. Um, and it read... does a really good job. Sorry, I didn't mean to No, that's okay. It does a really good job of like, um, kind of bringing something that's a little more cerebral or ethereal into the practical. Yeah. And I can say that because Kathleen gifted me that book. Oh, yay. Very sweet. Very nice. You're welcome. But, um, yeah, so it's pretty Theology cool. Theology of the Home. Theology of the Home. There's also a second one, and there's also, like, a planner, oh. um, which they try to Isn't sell. Isn't there always? Which they try to sell me, and I was like, mm, because I need to, I have a, compulsory need to buy all the things of mm-hmm. one thing. Especially yeah. planners. In so order to way. read the one. But I'm, I'm super excited to finish it, um, and hopefully pass it on to other people. Yay. There you go. Mm-hmm. Olivia, your pick of the week. So my pick of the week is a website. Okay. Um, but it's also a place where you could procure a book, such as the one Kathleen recommended. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's called Bookshop. Um, oh, and I well, believe it's bookshop.org. Um, and I, I stumbled upon it like a couple of days ago. And basically what it is, is it's like a large conglomerate that used to be predominantly about selling books starts with an A. I think you know what I'm talking about. Mm. But it's just for independent small oh, bookstores. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So, because like you in your town, you probably have a small bookstore, whether it's like a new or used kind of situation, antique books, something like that. Um, but they've taken a hit, um, as have a lot of small businesses um, mm-hmm. with the whole COVID um, yeah. situation. And um, what I really love is that this is a a platform for the small booksellers to be Mm -hmm. able to sell without using the capital A large conglomerate um, to be able to do so in a way that they um, reap more of the the benefits. Um, And so if you're looking for, I I usually give at least a couple of people books around this time of year for Christmas. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for, or maybe you're just looking for yourself, some spiritual reading for Advent, um, I really recommend them. I haven't like used them yet, but I've perused their website. Uh, Like I said, I just found them a couple days ago, so I will let you know how that goes. Bookshop.org. Yeah. um, And you can even search for what's your local bookshop. Oh. And it'll kind of like have that as your home base cool. um, once you've searched for it and have kind of clicked on it. Um, but you can buy books from anywhere in the country um, and all from independent small bookstores. Oh, and I didn't even know that we had one here in Baton Rouge. Well, there you yeah. go. Yeah. And it doesn't have Cottonwoods, which is our like major yeah. one. Mm-hmm. But, he, you know, that kind of has its own following. But, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of that I didn't even know of. Well, this is in the hipster district. This yes, it is. Bookstore. Indeed it is. Uh, but apparently uh, over $8 million has been raised for local bookstores through this platform, which yeah. is good. I, I prefer a local bookstore whenever I oh, can go. Oh, for sure. I mean, I will go to to all of the lettered, you know, places. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but there is nothing quite like uh, the, the kitsch. Oh, yeah. 
and yeah. and the kith and the kin of of a local bookstore. Like mm-hmm. when you go in, like our local, one of our local used bookstores is called Cottonwoods. If you're in Baton Rouge, check it out. Um, but they literally have like books stacked from the floor oh, yeah. to the ceiling, mm-hmm. and you just have to like sift through. And that's oh my gosh, that's, that's the, the best way part. to spend yeah. to spend two hours. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, it's so mm-hmm. fun. My, one of my other favorite local bookstores uh, is run by a nice Episcopalian folks in uh, in Casper, Wyoming, Wind mm-hmm. City Books. Ooh. And I love going in that place because they have a, a monster cappuccino machine, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, so you can have a nice cappuccino while you're browsing the stacks. Love that. And, mm-hmm. uh, and they actually, I, I appreciate a bookstore with a, a good graphic novel selection that they have, yeah. you know. Especially a local bookstore, too. Oh, yeah. Which I suppose brings me to my pick of the week, mm. which is, in fact... Um, the uh, king the, of the transition. It, well, I try. Uh, and there are kings in this, too. This is a, a comic book series. This is chapter one called... Dominion, the fall of the house of Saul. So uh, it's written, uh, it's kind of a collaborative effort uh, written by by, uh, Dr. Uh, Baron Bell, who is the creator of it. He's the writer. He's done the pencils and he's done the graphic design in it. He is, uh, he's a, he goes to, he works for a college, um, mm-hmm. Liberty University. Uh, he's a professor of art and design at Liberty University and George Fox University. And so he's trying to take the story of Saul, the story of David, the story of Jonathan, and uh, and bring it to life for a new generation by using science fiction allegory. That's awesome. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember the the NBC series. It was very short lived called Kings. Uh, it was it was really pretty good too. It only lasted a season because apparently people didn't get the allegory. <laughs> You know, that's where we live. You have people that don't know what the Bible is. They know it's a book, but they don't know what it is. I I, I kid you not. I've experienced this in in my own life. Or people who don't know who the characters, the people of the Bible are, don't know that Jesus isn't just an historical figure or that he's not just a fable, that he actually lived and he actually continues to live. Mm -hmm. Um, But so this is an an opportunity to, to tell the story of of of, the, of Saul the king, and all of the characters in the book are anthropomorphic animals, which even makes it better. So oh, you have a sci-fi allegory, but you've cool. also got some C.S. Lewis stuff. The That's artwork cool. is absolutely beautiful, and it's it's so well done. And I mean, it's got space battles in it, so you know I'm, I'm on board. And, and so this is chapter one. It's a it's and it's a well-made book. Uh, chapter two is coming uh, actually in December of 2020, supposedly. And so I've been, uh, I've, I've only started reading it, but just the artwork alone, yeah. it's, it's really well written too. So um, that would be my pick of the week, Dominion, The Fall of the House of Saul, nice. and it's available from Terminus Media. And we'll put a link in the show notes uh, as, to, as to how you can get a copy of that, because you can, you can certainly do that. They also have a podcast. You can find out about uh, you know, what they've been doing and how they've created it and then where you can get it. So um, that's uh, that's my pick of the week. As always, if you have a pick of the week, you can let us know what your picks are by emailing backchat at catholicunderground.com, or if you want, you can go to catholicunderground.com, and there's a little backchat section um, that you can they can yeah. leave us an email, and it'll send it to all of us. I think, are you guys getting the backchat emails? No. no. Oh, well, then I need to check in on that, you know. We got a brand new computer, and I I still can't get the email. Come on now. (laughs) One of the things about rebooting uh, some portions of the Catholic Underground is that uh, I'm kind of checking and making sure all of the old email links and things still work. And so that's all part of it. So, uh, again, uh, if you're just joining us for the the bottom part of the show, um, we're very grateful to you because through your being a benefactor of us over the years, 
we've finally been able to make some upgrades to our equipment. Yeah. And uh, it's worth saying that we're not a really large apostolate. You're looking at uh, a majority of the board right here. Mm-hmm. here we and are. yeah, here we are. And one of the things that we try to do is, uh, for those of you who know where we're, where we're coming to you from, uh, the Catholic Community Radio is the radio station that uh, that we uh, corroborate, collaborate with, mm-hmm. um, and and so we actually provide their video service. So yeah. so Catholic Underground helps to provide the video side of Catholic Community Radio. I know it sounds weird, but they're a media. We're a media production engine, so we work hand in hand. And so it really is beautiful to see how our apostolates have been able to, to coincide and to do beautiful things together. So uh, from the bottom of my heart, um, as, as Father Chris from Catholic Underground, I thank you very much for, uh, for everything that you've done in allowing us to do this and hopefully uh, to do more. So, yeah. um, you know, end of sales pitch. But at the same time, it's important that you know that we're still here because of you. Uh, and I say this all the time, Lord, if you, if you don't want this apostolate to be here, then please um, allow it to go to a merciful grave uh-huh. because there are so many other things that, that you're asking your priests to do, that yeah. you're asking us to do. And yet this is, the, this is an apostle that continues to, to say, you know what, there's still more to do. Mm-hmm. And so here we are. And it's because you have been chiming in with, uh, with your emails, with uh, your, your presence in the chat. And, uh, and I'm very, very grateful for that. Um, we are possible because of viewers, listeners, benefactors, and spiritual warriors like you. You can become an official undergrounder by going to catholicundergroundcom donate. And you can also uh, help us out by letting others know about the Catholic Underground. So remember to like us and heart us and star us on your platform of choice. And if the podcasting service that you use to listen to us has a review option, then consider leaving a favorable uh, review along with the number of stars that you would designate. We hope it's more than four. Would be nice. Yeah. Uh, our panelists mm-hmm. this week we've been had we, we've been having. Kathleen Lee. I have been here. That's yes. right. <laughs> been being here. Pardon yeah. my past blue perfect. <laughs> uh, she's at Kaylee626 on Instagram. Thank yep. you, Kathleen. Anytime. Also, Olivia Galino is at the.real.omg on Instagram and on Twitter. That's thank true. you, Olivia. Yeah, thank you. Also, uh, we've got Albert Dupont, who has run. Who has run. Uh, has I'm, been running. I'm having tense issues. Who has, has been running. Uh, who, running. Who has been have running the, uh, the audio board <laughs> for us. Thank you, Albert. And then Ed is uh, still somehow alive after running this uh, this this first. Ed is unstoppable. He yes, is. Indeed, this Ed. is this is definitely the uh, the run um, of the Catholic Underground's new equipment. You know me. I'm Father Chris Decker. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Digital Catholic. And you have been listening to. You've been watching the Catholic Underground. We're cutting through the noise so that you don't have to. And you can find that still small voice. And we will definitely see you next time.